Our gospel reading for this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 21. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he said, sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it was amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be crushed and broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. Please be seated. Let us pray. Dear God, you are the vine and we are the branches. Abide in us that we may abide in you. May your word take root deep in our hearts that we may bear good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we find Jesus in Jerusalem, in the temple, talking to the religious leaders of this day. And he's talking about vineyards, which you may have noticed have been a theme over the last few Sundays. A couple weeks ago, Jesus told a parable about laborers in the vineyard who, even though they worked for different lengths of time, were all paid the same full daily wage. Last week, he used the example of two sons whose father ordered them to go and to work in the vineyard. One said no and then eventually went, and the other said he would but didn't. Jesus used this to teach about doing the will of God. This is the third and final installment of his vineyard parables, which is sometimes called the parable of the wicked tenants. But before we jump into that parable, it's good to know more generally that vineyards play an important role in the Bible. And more often than not, when vineyards come up, they're often used as an allusion to ancient Israel, the spiritual, cultural, and political people of God. For instance, in our first reading from Isaiah, we hear what's called the song of the vineyard. It begins, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. And it tells how the beloved dug it and cleaned it of stones, planted choice vines, built a watchtower in the midst of it, hewed out a wine vat in it. And this beloved is God, 
who established the vineyard and who established Israel going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was God who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea across the desert and finally established them in the promised land, the land of milk and honey. God established the vineyard. God established Israel. And Isaiah writes about how God expected this vineyard to yield good grapes, and yet it only yielded wild grapes instead. The parable of the wicked tenants, written some 800 years after Isaiah, continues in this theme. People in that time who were steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures, including Isaiah, would have known exactly what Jesus was going, where Jesus was going with this. Jesus is basically telling the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders, that they were charged with tending the vineyard that is Israel, that they were meant to bring forth good fruit, but they botched it and only made sour grapes. Like the song of the vineyard, this parable is an allegory. God established the people. When they strayed, God sent the prophets to call the people to repent and bear good fruit. But the prophets were rejected, stoned, beaten, mocked, and killed. And so finally, God sent His only Son, Jesus, thinking, hoping that people would finally listen to Him. But they didn't. Rather, they took Him outside of the walls and killed Him, nailing Him to the cross. It says, when the chief priests and the elders heard His parables, they realized that they were speaking about them. And they wanted to seize him like the tenants in the vineyard, and eventually they would. Now, most of what I know about vineyards comes from the Bible. Uh, That really goes with a lot of things in my life. I pretty much know the biblical version of most things. Um, But when I visited Portugal on my sabbatical four years ago, we had the opportunity to visit a real-life vineyard. Um, Some dear friends had gifted us a guided tour of the Douro Valley in Portugal, a valley known for its vineyards and as a birthplace of port wine. As our friends said, it is one of her favorite places in the world and one of the most beautiful places she had ever seen and that we needed to see it. And so they arranged a day for us in the Douro. I've got, there are lots of pictures, but I'll just do one. This is my cute in-laws, Kathy and Ellie, standing in the Douro Valley. According to our favorite travel guide and good Lutheran, Rick Steves, the scenic Douro Valley, the birthplace of port wine, is a vine-draped land of otherworldly, ever-changing terrain sculpted by centuries of hardy farmers. The Douro River's steep, craggy, twisting canyons have been laboriously terraced to make a horizontal home for grapevines and olive and almond trees. Rather than fortresses and palaces, You'll see farms, villages, and endless rows of rock terraces, which took no less work and are no less impressive. Locals brag, God made the earth, but people made the Duro. All in all, this area is home to about 4,000 wineries and scores of vineyards. And this is a picture of my in-laws at a scenic overlook in the Duro. Um, The road up to this overlook was so filled with twists and turns that more than one person in our van got sick on the way up to this vantage point. But it was so worth it. 
Behind Ellie and Kathy, you can see the Duro River that's winding its way through the valley, and you can see how the vineyards run along the steep hills. The whole valley is like this, just miles and miles of vines. We visited one of these vineyards, and we got to walk among the vines and sample some port wine, and we learned about the ancient process of growing and harvesting and producing this wine. And along the way, I remember a couple things that really stood out to me, and if it weren't for feeling queasy with all the twists and turns in that van, I probably would have written them down in more detail. But the first thing that stood out to me was how the Duro Valley has its own microclimate that is just perfect for producing these sweet grapes for port wine. The river feeds the valley, the unique soil with the perfect balance of nutrients and the climate in the valley all combined to make the perfect grape. And second, I learned that people have been tending these vines since the days of the Roman Empire literally since the time of Jesus. There are ancient vines which have been tended across two millennia. And it made me think, in relation to our readings for today, that the mistake that the wicked tenants made, in addition to their greed and their violence, was that they thought that the vineyard belonged to them, or perhaps that it could belong to anyone but God. Their mistake was that they thought it belonged to them or that it could belong to anyone but God. At the outset of the story, the landowner sends his slaves to collect only his rightful share, no more and no less, and yet they could not even abide this. They were not content with just their share. They wanted to keep it all for themselves. Remember, they were tenants on the land. Nothing there belonged to them. Not the vineyard, not the houses they lived in, nor the tools they used to tend the vines. None of it was theirs, but they still wanted it for themselves. Likewise, the religious leaders of Jesus' time were supposed to be the stewards of God's law, the Torah, and stewards of the temple, the meeting place of heaven and earth. And yet they imagined that because they had received this temporary charge, it all somehow belonged to them. And we can make that same mistake. None of us birthed ourselves or weaned ourselves. We were given these bodies, these minds and souls, and this planet to live upon. God established us. God made us. God gifted each of us with light. Yet we can fall into thinking that it belongs to us that we have created our lives out of whole cloth, that we are the authors and creators of our own little worlds. And then we can fall into another trap, turning life into a competition of who can have more and think that more for some means less for others. But Jesus shows us a different way. We are to gratefully receive these gifts and recognize and honor the same gifts in others. We are to care for our bodies as the gifts that they are to us, to use our intellect and heart in service to others, to make a love-spreading difference in the world. We are only here a very short time. The goal is not to amass more and more, but to be stewards of the vines, to receive what has been given, to use it to the best of our abilities, 
and to leave the world a better, more just, and loving place than we found it. And this, I think, is actually one of the things that is easier to imagine when you are part of a church. The church has been around for 2,000 years, about the same as those vines. But this church in particular was founded in 1753, long before any of us was born. We received this place as a gift from God and our forebears, and with God's grace and our good stewardship, it will be here long after we all are gone. Our charge in the time that we are here is to tend the vine, to nurture the love and the community and the formation and the service that we have found here, to bear good fruit, to leave it in a better place than we found it, not to imagine that it belongs to any one of us or group or generation. This does not belong to us. It belongs to God. In this place, however, we get to experience and practice the kind of life that Jesus calls us to, to tend and to serve, to share what we have first received, our time, hours, days, and spans of years, our talents, our gifts, our expertise and experiences, our treasure, our wealth, for the sake of our children and our children's children, for the sake of those in need, those who are hungry in body and spirit, those who are forgotten and rejected, Do it for the sake of the planet we all share and inhabit, to do it for God's sake. We can be generous in all of these ways because God has already been so generous to us. We only ever give what we have first received. In his most famous saying about vineyards, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No, great, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. May we abide and celebrate and extravagantly share in God's gift of free love. And may we pray in the words of our call to worship, Turn now, O God of hosts, look down from heaven. Behold and tend this vine. Preserve what your right hand has planted. Amen.